So um, though I know those of you guys have been traveling a little bit, maybe in the last month, might not know that we're in the middle of a series. This is actually week three of a series where we're taking a look at some prayers that Paul prayed specifically for the churches that he helped plant. And the pattern that we've noticed in these prayers, the first week we prayed that God would help us to pray big and specific prayers. We noticed that sometimes our prayers can become small and kind of petty. And then, um, then God, God enlarge our prayers, help us to pray big things sometimes and to pray really specifically. Uh, and, and so that was week one. Week two, we asked that God would help us as we pray for unity. There was a, there's a big uh, theme throughout the New Testament on God uh, bringing unity to his people in the church. And uh, today we're going to see that again. This pattern where Paul prayed, I pray, and then it's like fill in the blank, so that, and then more, uh, and then another blank, so that something happens. So you'll see it as we go on today. But what's interesting is that what many of us pray for, sometimes it's kind of, it's kind of benign, uh, but quite honestly, I think, I'm just going to say it, sometimes prayers are pretty funny. They, they, they are. And, and like an illustration, I, I'm gonna, when, I, when I say this prayer, many of you guys are going to recognize it. I invite you to pray it along with me. And many of you guys, like me, your parents prayed this for you at night at bedtime. And think of how unusual this prayer is. When I start, you'll just, if, if, if you've heard this at all, you'll know it. And if you just imagine, like, take your three-year-old kid or a three-year-old kid, you put them in a dark room, but before you leave the room, and, it, and you can pray it along with me if you recognize it, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Please, Lord, take my soul. Nighty-night, little precious. <laughs> See you in the morning if you survive the night. <laughs> it cracks me up. It really does. I feel like it cracks me up to hear some of you guys pray for your dinner prayers, right? I don't mean to offend anybody, but, you know, anybody start their prayers like this? Bless this food to the nourishment of our bodies. I've seen what some of you guys eat. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that takes more faith than parting the Red Sea. It really does. You know, it's like, bless this greasy double bacon cheeseburger with chili fries and a large Mountain Dew, Lord. You know, do a miracle, Lord, and turn it into chicken breast and kale and spinach. That, I mean, it's just, it's, I mean, I'm sorry. If you're offended, you are feel, you, please feel free to email me at nicole.j at rventure.church. No, seriously. Yeah, Nicole's email. All right, so move on. Let's move on to a serious note on prayer because I really want to talk to you about this very specific prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed. And it's one of the most important things that you can pray for a Christian that you love. A Christian that you love. And, the, and it's this question I'm going to be asking today. If there was a specific prayer that you could pray for Jesus' followers that had helped them have a full understanding of every good thing that they have in Christ would you pray that prayer? Would you pray? So if you could pray something for Jesus' followers to help them have a full understanding of every good thing that they have in Christ, would you pray that prayer? I would pray that prayer. I definitely would. If you want to see Jesus' followers that you love have a better understanding, a fuller understanding of all the good stuff that they have in Christ, pray this, that they would have an act, they would be active 
in sharing their faith in Jesus. That's the prayer that I want us to pray today. And we're going to hear a little bit about this from a great story back in the New Testament in this tiny little sliver of a book, the shortest book in the Bible. It's called Philemon, right? You can turn there, but it's going to take you a little bit of effort. You're going to have to go back and forth a bit to find that little slice of a book. It's a, it's a single chapter. I mean, you can memorize this book by this afternoon. It's really, really small, but it's also like brutally awesome, right? And so it's a personal letter of Paul to a friend, this guy named Philemon. He is, uh, uh, for all we know, a successful businessman. We do know that he's a man of means, and he is hosting a home church. And he had this slave or servant, Onesimus, and this guy, Onesimus, had departed uh, from Philemon at some point. We don't know exactly why, but the indication is he wasn't very happy with where he was. He wasn't in a good relationship with Philemon, and so he left. Maybe he ran away. We really don't know. But for whatever reason, uh, Onesimus found his way to Paul, and he's hanging out with Paul, and he gets, uh, he gets to know Paul, and then Paul leads him to Jesus. And then he's massively transformed. And Onesimus comes back to Paul and he says, look, you know, um, what I need to do is it's only fair, if I'm, now that I'm following Jesus, I need to actually return to, um, to Philemon and make things right. And so Paul writes this letter, and this is what we're seeing in Philemon. He writes this letter to a friend and he's vouching for Onesimus. He says, the guy that's coming back to you is not the same as the guy that left. He's totally different. So Philemon, receive him. He's amazing now, okay? And he says, receive him as a brother in the Lord. Don't just receive him as a servant or a slave. Receive him as a brother back in your household. And let's look at verse 4. Verse 4 says, and Paul's writing to, again, his, his buddy Philemon, I always, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. So like, Paul is praying for, this guy's close to him because he's saying he's always in Paul's prayers. He said in verse five, because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. So what is he praying for? What is he remembering about Philemon? Number one is his faith in the Lord Jesus. And number two his love for all the other Christians and so all the saints of God. He says, you, you love Christians and you love Jesus. That's what I know about you, Philemon. But then he goes on in verse six, a really curious statement. He says, I pray, notice the pattern here. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith and there's so that, so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. I pray that you might be active in sharing your faith so that you might have a fuller understanding of every good thing that we have in Christ. So um, when I'm reading this text, I'm trying to ask myself the question, so what is going on here that would have Paul praying this prayer? What led to this prayer? And my theory is on this, and it's not documented. This is just a theory based on my study, but I think there's some validity to it that the slave has run away. Onesimus has run away. He's hurting. He, he doesn't really like where he is in life. Very understandable, of course. And then he's asking questions. He's asking questions of Paul. He is spiritually lost and in need of discipleship. On, Onesimus lived in the house of Philemon, uh, but he didn't know Christ is the implication. And then Paul tells Philemon, okay, 
he says, you love Christians, you love Jesus, but don't overlook, he's saying, don't overlook sharing your faith as well. Don't overlook that. And Paul knew, I believe, that one of the dangerous places that Christians can be in is in an inward-focused, self-centered version of Christianity, where we're just looking at ourselves, we're constantly thinking about ourselves, but it's never translating into anything external. And, and so instead of loving those that are far from God or loving people around you, we're just judging because, again, we're we're only focused on ourselves. And the last thing, however, that Jesus said before he rose from the dead was what? Did he say, you know, Christians, go into your houses and hide? No. He said, go into the world and preach the gospel, proclaim it, baptize, make disciples. He said, you are the salt of the earth. He said, you are the light of the world. And, you know, you don't run from darkness. You shine into darkness. You transform culture. You transform your world. You don't, you don't hide in, in it. And so if you're a Jesus follower, I know what you're thinking right now. You're thinking what I was thinking when I wrote this message. It's like, I know. That's really important. I know. I know. I get it. I know. Okay, well, I'm guessing, though, however that, uh, and this is kind of conservatively, that I, I bet you about one in 10 here in this room uh, in the last maybe week or two has boldly shared their faith. I think that's probably an accurate statement. I hope that I'm wrong. I hope that it's a lot more, but I'm just saying like, that's, that's, this is a very, very dynamic church, but I, I think that's probably an accurate statement. And the question is then, if we know we should, and Paul's prayer is that Philemon should go share his faith, be active in sharing his faith so that he might understand every good thing that comes from Christ, why do we not do it more often? I think there's some legitimate reasons. Number one is, obviously, you could say people are uncaring. You know, just Christians are uncaring. I don't think that that's many of us, though. Just uncaring. I mean, you don't like the lost. You don't care about them. That's not, that's not my thing. It's not my in my wheelhouse, just don't really care. I think that there's probably not that many of us that are in that camp. How about this one, though? Um, uncomfortable. Anybody of you there? Like, okay, yeah, you know, you guys relate to that. Uncomfortable. Some of you getting uncomfortable right now. It's like, is Pastor Scott going to tell us to go door to door after this message? I'm feeling really stressed out right now. Some blood pressure's rising. You're uncomfortable. It's okay. I think that's where many of us are in regards to sharing our faith. Uncaring, uncomfortable. How about unconvinced? Maybe you just don't really believe that Jesus makes all that much of a difference. Or you think somehow that, you know, God's up there playing duck, duck, damn, and he'll figure it all out and he doesn't need me. Yeah, I mean, right, you're just unconvinced. And maybe you are, in fact, in the latter category and you are unequipped. Maybe you feel like you don't know enough. You just actually don't have, you're waiting for some material to develop in your life, right? You're going to get to this peak moment in your spirituality where like you went to a winter camp or you did something and then like it all turns on and then all of a sudden you're going to go get the information. You're going to get that like apologetics down, read that book. You know, case for Christ, right? And you're going to get it and you're going to know it and then all of a sudden you're going to be equipped to go out and share your faith. And that's the mentality that a lot of us have. If I understand more, you know, then I'll share my faith. I'm just not there yet. I'm working toward it. However, what Paul is implying here is pretty radical. In verse 6, he inverts the entire narrative. I hope you notice that, right? Because what he's saying here is that when you share your faith, you understand more. When you share your faith, you actually understand a lot more about who the character of God is and what your role as a believer is. 
Here's how it plays out in everyday life. Let me explain it to you. So sharing your faith, just doing it, just launching out. Let's just say you have low spiritual momentum. So here's like a prescription for getting your momentum back. Okay, listen up. If you share your faith, it leads to what? Transformed lives. You're going to see it all around you, whether you're just kind of planting seeds or you're watering seeds or you're there for the harvest. And you see it all over. You see people like living differently. You see there's an eternal difference as you're watering seeds, as you're investing in other people's lives. And that greater understanding then, or the transformed lives leads to a greater understanding of your faith. Because now, guess what? You can articulate it. You can talk about it. You begin to share who Jesus is. And the gospel makes better sense because it's, it's coming out of you because you want to do this. And then the greater understanding then leads to this greater focus, outward focus. And that outward focus means you're not just trapped in the walls of this church doing the Jesus thing, but you see your mission as something greater outside of you, outside of your life, in the lives of your family and your friends and your community. That begins, that outward focus then leads to what? More sharing of your faith. It really does. So it's this like circle of momentum building. You share your faith. It leads to transformed lives. Transformed lives leads to greater understanding. Greater understanding leads to outward focus. Focus, outward focus leads to more sharing of your faith. And I believe this, that this formula, I, can pray, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you may have a full understanding of every good thing you have in Christ Jesus is, is really a principle for gaining some spiritual momentum. Anybody want that? Anybody want some spiritual momentum? You can begin by sharing your faith. You can actually pray. Well, help me to share my faith. You can pray for your teenager. You can pray for your friends. You can pray for your pastors. You can pray for your campus missionaries. And again, you can pray for yourself that you would be active in sharing your faith. But I'm warning you. Like if you start praying this, (laughs) opportunities are going to come. They are going to come. It's just, and it may be even this week. But since many of us, and I think the vast majority of us, feel ill-equipped for it, I'm going to share with you just four basic, simple ways that you can share your faith this week. If you begin to pray, um, God, give me a boldness in sharing my faith, that I might be active, God, that you would begin to do um, and unveil every good thing that I have in Christ Jesus. Number one, simple way you can share your faith is you can, faith is you can uh, be loving but direct. Be loving but direct. Uh, I, love, I love the picture of, of Peter in Acts chapter 2. Peter is standing up between, b- before a group of thousands of people, and Peter is proclaiming the gospel. And, you know, it's interesting that shy Peter is now not shy. The Holy Spirit has a way of doing that. And, uh, and he's proclaiming the gospel, but he's telling people like, hey, you know, you need to repent. He, they, he basically just bas- said this, you've crucified Jesus. You need to repent, be baptized, you know, uh, He's not like, hey, guys, um, you know, I think you need to, like, kind of examine your spiritual priorities. You know, he's just like, he's like, repent! So sometimes you need to be bold, but not always, right? Not always. And so uh, I remember taking an evangelism class. It's kind of odd. Christianity is weird because you take classes on doing some things like that. An evangelism class. And uh, uh, so what we had to do is memorize the script. It was a script that began with the lines... If you were to die today, where would you spend eternity? And then there was like a tree system. So depending on the answer, you'd go to a different, and you'd have to memorize that. And then you were supposed to go to the door, knock on the door, you know, hello, I'm Scott. If you were to die today, 
It's like, what a way to start a conversation, right? And so I, I memorized it. I went out with some friends. And I'm telling you, we're supposed to pray before we actually knocked on every door. I can guarantee you I prayed every single time that there, no one would answer that door. I did not want to talk to anybody. That was just like, no way, man. I'm sorry. You can die today. Like a little, you know, four-year-old girl. Oh, uh, my daddy's not home. Anyway, so, uh, so anyway, you can, you can be loving, but you can be direct. Sometimes you need to have conversations. And sometimes you do need to be bold. Sometimes you do need to say, look, man, you are heading in the wrong direction. This is not good for you. You need to stop. You need to repent. This is what you're, you're making terrible decisions in your life. You need to have boldness in your faith. You need to have boldness in sharing your faith. And sometimes you need to have soft, tender, loving conversations. It requires discernment to know the difference. But number one, you can be loving but direct. Number two is, and this is a big one, you can share your story. You have a story. You really, really do. It might not be the like, I got drug out of a den of heroin addicts and, and oh, I was bleeding and then I got beat up and then I wandered into church and I was drunk and I fell down on the altar and then I got up sober and, and my life has been great ever since. I've never sinned. Like you can have a story like that or you know what? You can be like everyone else and have a story that is like, hey, I, I grew up in the church, but I didn't own my faith. It was my mom and dad's faith. And then I came to college and I started rubbing shoulders with some people that made me think. And I got to thinking like, uh, I need to answer some of these questions because I'm going to classes and they're saying one thing and my philosophy professor tells me this, but then I go back home and I'm like, I've got legitimate doubts. And, you know, and then guess what Jesus did? He, he began to answer those questions in me in a, in a tender way. I now embrace Jesus and love him. And I never thought I would say this, but I love Jesus on my own. I love Jesus because not what my parents did, but because of what he did in me and it's for me now and I own it. Like that's a story too. In John chapter nine, there was a guy who was born blind and, and, and every day he'd go to the temple and he, he'd ask for money. Of course, right? That's what you would do if you were born blind and there was no eye doctors and no family and no one to take care of you. You would just go and ask for money, right? And so he, that's what he did. And every day he went up there and, and all of a sudden he was healed. And it's interesting because once he was healed, he went out and then the Pharisees, the religious people said, you know, you were healed on the Sabbath. You know, you need to really watch that. And he says, I don't care. He says, all I can tell you is this. I love it. And he says, all I can tell you is I was blind, but now I see. That's my story. I was blind since birth. I have never seen colors. I don't know about gradients. I can't tell you what the color red looks like. I don't know what the color blue looks like. And all of a sudden, the, the, this guy made some mud. He put it on my eyes. And all of a sudden, I can see green. I didn't know what green was. I didn't know what colors was. I was blind, and now I see. You can tell me all you want about the Sabbath, I'm telling you, Jesus gave me a story. I wasn't expecting that, and now I have this incredible story, and all I want to do is tell people about it. Some of you guys, that's your greatest love weapon, and you don't even realize it. You'd be so amazed, no matter what your story is, if you tell it to somebody, how you, you know what, your, um, your stories might overlap a little bit. You know, you might, you might have like, I grew up in a difficult family, didn't have a close relationship with mom and dad. Mom and dad were divorced or, you know, I grew up in, uh, in, in poverty. And maybe the other person is like, that's not my story at all. But you'll be amazed at how sometimes when you begin to tell it, the words will come out and they'll be overlap. People will go, I relate to that. I totally relate to what you're saying. It's so good for us to tell our story because your story, listen, is, is his story too. He knows you, he created you, and he's changed you. 
You can share your story, number two. You can be loving and direct, number one. And number three is you can invite people. That's right, you can invite them to church. And, and it's not just about coming to church because church is a magical place that replaces evangelism. And, you know, just let the pastor do it. You know, come and listen to the really nice music. And then the pastor has a funny story. And then, you know, oh, your friend will just be compelled. This is what it's like. This is the way I want to frame it because it's more like this. It's when I come with me. I want to introduce you to somebody. In John chapter 4, uh, Jesus goes and does an unthinkable thing, a thing that no one would ever do in his culture, and that is he went to go speak to a Samaritan woman, right? Samaritan woman. In the culture, they just didn't do that. And he went to her at the well, and he began to articulate things about her that she knew about herself, but she had never told anybody. He went up to her and he says, like, you've had five husbands, and the other guy that you're with right now, he's not your husband. And then he went on to say this. He said, you know, you're thirsty, She's like, well, yeah, I'm at the well, of course, you know, duh. No, he says, he says, but, but I want to give you something more than that. I want to give you living water and you will never thirst again. And in that moment when she began to see that Jesus was compassionate, Jesus was kind, Jesus was willing to go outside of himself, right? I mean, she would, this is what she did. She went away and she said, hey, everyone, you guys got to come back and you have to see this Jesus. Come and see the man, she said, who tell, told me everything. Come and see, come and see this Jesus guy. And when you bring your friends to church, what are they going to see? They're going to see a group of people who love Jesus. You're going to see a group of people who are knit together and excited about one thing. They're united around this purpose of loving him and worshiping him. You're good. They're going to see that. And they're going to say, look, um, I, I, I got questions. And you can take them out to lunch and you can begin to answer the questions. And yes, coming to church is not an excuse or replacement for, for uh, personal conversations about Jesus Christ. We're not saying here that we're putting on a show so that we can replace what you need to do on an individual basis. No, no, no. What you take is this is just another opportunity. Number one, you can boldly share, uh, loving but directly. Number two, you can share your story. Number three, and just another way is that you can invite people to church. What we promise to do as a church is to seriously take the questions that your friends have, the unbelievers that your friends have, and not only help to answer those questions, but to equip you with answers that you can give to your friends for things that they're struggling with, right? Anybody ever met anybody that's struggling with questions in their faith, right? Anybody? Yeah, I meet them all the time, right? There's many in this room that have legitimate questions, and so we want to be a place that you can invite people here, and they won't get treated disrespectfully, they're loved and known by God, just as all of us are that walk with Jesus, and we treat people with dignity and respect because we want them to come and experience the Jesus that we have. Number three, you can invite people to church. Number four, this is great. You can live a life such as other people want to live that life. The greatest example of this is Paul and Silas in jail. How many of you guys would love to go to jail someday? Just I mean, not to visit, like inside, prison ministry from the inside, right? Do you, anybody want to do that? Yeah, no hands going up, right? Because it's not like the food isn't good and all that. It's just not a pleasant place to be. And so Paul and Silas are thrown in jail. Paul's this kind of guy, by the way, it doesn't matter what you do with him. You can kick him. He's just going to smile. You know, you can beat him up and he'll like break out with a hymn. You just cannot beat Paul down. And so they throw Paul and Silas in, in jail. What do they do? So I worship service. Why not? That's a great time, right? Let's just sing some songs, you know. Let's sing and let's worship. 
well, I don't know, let's, let's get a beat going, guys. Come on, it's everybody. Let's like, let's like sing some songs, right? Good music. Well, we don't have drums, but we can like, I don't know, hit something and we can, we can sing. And, and I think the prison guard had to be like, these guys are a little nutty. It's really cool what they're doing though. They seem joyful in their circumstance. But then there's something else that happens. All of a sudden there's this earthquake and the ground begins to move and shake. And by the way, back in those days, everything's like rock upon rock. And so what happened is the foundation of this jail, it kind of fell apart. And it was kind of clear that anybody could just leave. The jailer says, well, I say everybody's gone right now. So, but this doesn't end well for me because I'm basically going to die. They're going to kill me, and so I'm going to do it myself. I don't know what he's doing. But he's probably like, <coughs> I guess I better get my sword out. And like maybe he's putting it right there. And just in like that movie scene, I can just see he's getting, getting ready to do it. He's imagining, sweating it out, imagining how he's going to fall on that sword. And all of a sudden, like out of the darkness in this really like cave-ish environment, you hear this little voice, it's Paul. And the dust begins to settle. He goes, hey, don't do it. Huh? Yeah, don't do it, man. And I'm like, where's that coming from? I'm like, we're over here. We're, we're still here. You mean you guys didn't run? No, no, man, we're still over here. It's okay. You want to join us? We're going to keep singing. And it was like, <laughs> are you serious? He puts down his sword. But the cool thing is, is that the jailer says this. And I love this. He says, he says this, guys, listen, what must I do to be saved? What do I have to do to get what you have? Because there's something that you have that I don't have, and I want that. So tell me, what do I have to do? And I think it was a lot about the earthquake, but I also think it was a lot about the singing and the joy. People around you, they don't want to see you complaining about everything. Gosh, it's snow again. And man, I have to study up till like it was up till 10.30 last night, and then I played video games for another four hours, and... You know, or, you know, I went to my job and I'm only making minimum wage. I'm like, you know, that, that's, I'm not like, those are legitimate things. But, you know, people want to see the joy also. They want to see your story. They want to hear your joy. And that's so compelling. And it's so powerful when you tell your story and you tell it with joy. We can live in such a way that others are hungry for what we have. So God, help us, Lord. We need to pray every day that those we love would be active in sharing their faith. God, give us eyes to see divine opportunities every day, week after week, day after day, so that we would have a greater understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. You see how it's inverted. So share your faith in order that you might have um, a greater understanding of every good thing that you have in Christ. I've been blessed in my life. I've been blessed to walk with Jesus now for, you know, decades. And when I gave my heart to Jesus at the age of 16, one of the cool things was is I didn't grow up in church, so I didn't know any different. I really didn't. Nobody had to tell me, right, go share your faith. I went back to my high school, and I did some dumb stuff, right, really dumb stuff, like standing on my chair in a lunchroom cafeteria and saying, if you want to know about Jesus, just come talk to me. That's not the best thing. Please don't do that in the comments. Um, but you know what? Maybe, right? I don't know. You can be bold. Think about it. Pray about it. But, um, you know, I would say this, that once I began to share my faith early on, I didn't know anything. People, I didn't know there was a Philemon. I didn't know there was four God. I didn't know anything about that. I didn't know four gospels. I didn't know all of that. All I knew is that Jesus did something. I had to tell someone. 
And I think what was good about that is early on, without any information, I knew that something transformative had happened in me. I just wanted to tell some people. So there is, there's something about that. You got to do something to get that momentum. God grant us that positive spiritual momentum. Another thing is, is that you get to really, listen, you get to play a part in someone's divine story. I mean, as I reflect back on the people that I shared my faith with, I mean, obviously not every one of them said yes. Obviously not every one of them didn't kind of want to hit me. I, you know, but, but some of them now, they're serving Jesus, and I can see their families, and we're still in touch. Some are in ministry. And I, I don't know how it even happened that I got to play a part of a divine story. Maybe some of you guys are sitting there thinking like, that, that could never be me. I'm just not, that's not me. It's not my gifting. That's someone else's job. I'm more of the gifting of, I have more of the gifting of criticism. You know, that's more of God's spiritual gift to me. You know what? I'm just here to tell you that everyone can share their faith, their story. And I'm not just talking about going out and like doing it in a public way. Um, God is more concerned about what happens in your private life than in your public life anyway. Maybe sharing your faith is like, with a brother or a sister, with a family member, a spouse. How about with your kids? Sharing your faith is a natural, organic expression of the things that Jesus does inside of us that have to get shared. And it changes everything. It gives us a fuller understanding of every good thing that we have in Christ Jesus. I think, um, you know, we got to see that God is an active God. Well, here, here's what I think sometimes... It, we're kind of like gun collectors, right, instead of soldiers. I mean, we collect the guns. You're in Idaho, so you understand, right? Um, we, we put it in a really nice case, in this glass case. We polish it off. Um, we show it off. But you know we got to do every once in a while? We just got to get that thing out and shoot something. We have to do something. We have to do something. It's not gun collectors when we're called to be soldiers, when we share your faith, you're, you're reminded of what you have in Christ Jesus. You're reminded of the treasure. Do you realize that, I mean, at some time in your life, and for some of you guys, you can remember back, at that time in your life when you were super passionate about Jesus, man, you just wanted to tell everybody about Jesus, and now you're not. Here's what I can guarantee you. That from the time you were passionate until now, you were not sharing your faith. You were not. Because when you were sharing your faith, you were telling people of the wonders of the gospel, of the good news. You were talking about the promises of God. You were sharing scripture. You, were, you couldn't keep inside what you were so passionate about because it's beyond the human ability to understand. You need to share your faith in order to fully understand all of the riches that you have in Christ Jesus. Share your faith. That's the catalyst that will give you that spiritual momentum that you need. If you want to keep the gospel for yourself, listen, you don't understand the power of the gospel. If you want to keep it to yourself, you don't understand the power. So on the other hand, conversely, if you're on the front lines and you're a soldier, you've taken that gun off the, you know, out of the case. Please, I'm not talking about real guns here. I'm talking about the goodness of God the gospel of God, and you were actually active in using it, you cannot be lukewarm. You just simply can't. When you share, lives are changed. And you get an outward focus. And then you want to share your faith again. I don't know about you guys, but I desperately want to see spiritual momentum here in this church. 
I want to see you discipled. I want to see you grow in Christ. But I also know this. I'm not going to unlock it by giving you a verse, by giving you a pithy saying. I'm not going to unlock it even by saying that you should pray. All of those things are part of it, but you have to unlock it by putting it into practice in your life. Number one, in obedience to Jesus. And number two, in obeying him, doing the Great Commission, preaching the gospel, baptizing, building disciples, all of that is a part of expressing the full. Be active in sharing your faith so that you have a fuller understanding of who you are in Christ Jesus, of all the good things that he's given you. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, today I ask Jesus with all just humility and seriousness, God, that you would make this community an active one in sharing our faith. God, I thank you in advance for the opportunities that you will bring into people's lives in this room, that even this week there would be opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, God, for us to share the good news that transformed us, Lord. From day one, when we began to follow you, you transformed us, Lord. You are continuing that even now, God. I pray that we would step out in faith, believing that there is so much more, believing that there are so many more greater things than you want to do through us than we can even possibly imagine for the love of Jesus. Amen. Church, would you add today to the list of things that we've been asking you to pray over? Number one, we ask you to pray big, specific prayers, not traveling mercies, but God, may you bring me closer to you that I might be a leader in my community, that I, in my classroom, in my environment, that I might grow in faith with you. Big, specific prayers. And then we prayed last week that God give us faith to believe in unity. God, bring the body of Christ together that we can do more together than we can do apart. And today I'm asking you to add to this prayer that God, would you pray every single day. Listen, church, for those that you love and for yourselves that you would be active in sharing your faith. Would you, would you pray that with me every single day? Raise your hands if you will join with me. I invite you to join with me in praying that prayer every single day for those that you love and even for yourself that you would be active in sharing your faith. Go ahead and raise up your hand if that's you. I can't even imagine honestly, just how powerfully Christ is going to impact us and our city and our region and our nation if we actually followed through and sincerely live out that commitment to pray. Because it's in doing what we're called to do and make disciples that we really, really get excited about it. Now, again, how that plays out in your life is going to be different than how it plays out in mine, right? So, you have to think about that. What does that actually look like to you? For some, you're going to go away from here. Don't get confused. I'm not saying you go and, and like, you know, jump into a public place with a megaphone. I'm saying you need to think about your sphere of influence and, and do you tell your story enough? Maybe you need to learn and, and practice telling your story. Practice with a friend, somebody that you trust and begin to build that. And you'll, you'll see that, that there's a spiritual dynamic at play that just like, Phile, just like Paul was saying to Philemon, look, Onesimus hung out with you for a long time. He didn't really seem to mature much because you didn't even try to lead him to Jesus. You love the saints of God. You love 
Jesus, but you don't really, you didn't really seem to care about Onesimus. And he came to me and I told him about Jesus. And now I'm sending him back to you full of the Holy Spirit, entrusted with the gospel. And, 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 and Philemon, you need to be active in sharing your faith in, in order to fully understand the riches of all the goodness of that, what, what Christ has given you. So that's my prayer. I want us to do that. I want you to be active in sharing your faith.